Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me and Hughes. In this episode, I'm joined by Lauren, who is studying in Edinburgh University just now. I have to say that when I went on to this podcast to have this conversation with Lauren, I was having a dreary Tuesday, grey, rainy afternoon. And by the time it finished, I had the hugest smile on my face. This is one of the most authentic transparent, honest conversations that I have had in a long time. The spirit that Lauren puts across on a Zoom screen and hopefully in listening to this podcast is just magnetic, I have to say. And she is talking about being honest with herself and about how sometimes that can be hard to confront. It's also a conversation about intention and about resilience and about seeking fundamental truths. It's just such a good conversation. You know, she says in it that she's infinitely optimistic and what's not to love with that. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did recording it. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us a wee bit about you. I mean, I am a soon-to-be graduate of the University of Edinburgh and very excited for that. Yeah. I'm a soon-to-be published author and that's a whole other massive dream coming true yeah I am a serial volunteer I just I just sign up for everything which is terrible on my schedule Mm -hmm. but great for my spirit because I love I love meeting people and I love doing stuff that you know hopefully have consequence and positive impact Mm -hmm. and I love to read and watch movies and with the Oscars coming up I am really truly in that perfect headspace to be totally obsessed and surrounded by all this content about what films were good and great last year. Ah, fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing, Lauren. What do you know for sure? What I know for sure, which is a scary question to answer because I'm 22 and I think I was just raised and socialised in a way to expect that young people don't know anything. Mm. And then I was going to hit a magical age when I knew stuff (laughs) and... Now that I'm 22 and I've, you know, crossed the 16, 18, 21, I realize age is, age is not proving no. <laughs> to be the indicator. What I've figured out for myself is that being honest, especially with myself, is the most important thing. Mm. And, how and it's painful. It's painful, did you say? It can be painful. I think facing the real, harsh, glorious truth about a situation a friendship, a relationship, a project, or even like I'm a student. So, you know, picking a degree when you're a teenager and doing it and being like, hold on, is this actually what I need to be doing with my time? A lot of, I think we we live in a time of influencer culture and I am a big self-help person. I've read way too many self-help books. So just like, you know, I'm seeking out this fundamental truth about life Mm -hmm. that is because I don't want to like make mistakes that other people have already made. I want to learn from the mistakes of people who've already done stuff yeah. and kind of skip over them. And I guess I'm, I've come into this understanding that you can't skip over them. Mm-hmm. A lot of them you have to make. And a lot of them are just personal and interesting and unique to yourself. So when I say being honest with myself is really hard, it's because it's just hard to have to confront you know, all the factors in front of you, plus that internal voice within you Mm. and know the correct answer and know that the correct answer doesn't necessarily make you happy. 
Yeah. But it's the true one and you should go with it regardless of how uncomfortable or scary or seemingly monumental it is. Uh-huh. I mean, at age 22, to have that appreciation that you can't skip over the mistakes of other people, that you just have to... I think that that feels quite empowering as someone that's more than twice your age and did <laughs> not have that and did not have that awareness at 22 that I'm going to make loads of mistakes here, but I just need to get on with it. Do you feel that it empowers you knowing that, well, I might make a mistake, but that's okay? It's definitely empowering. I think when when I became more comfortable with A, making mistakes, but also B, getting rejected, mm. I began to get a lot happier because I was getting, I was putting myself forward for more things. The This, this is a separate thing that I kind of, I guess I figured out, is I now pursue friends with kind of the same intention and seriousness that you would pursue a crush. Yeah. So I think like lots of books and movies have meet cutes and just, I don't know, they're just all these narratives about falling in love with people and how you should shoot your, your shot and try and all of that. And I just realized that I, I have wonderful friends who, who I, I, I don't even have the words to thank. Yeah. And when I meet other exceptional people and think this is someone who I want to like, you know, have in my ecosystem, have as a friend, the same way I guess I've been taught to seek out a relationship, plan for dates and be serious about that. I should text this person and keep saying hi and ask them for a friendship date, I guess. And, you know, mm-hmm. go for a walk or grab a coffee and have that same kind of intention in these platonic relationships because they you know, in this, you know, these 22 years, which, you know, hasn't been that long. These friendships have given me so much and I hope I've given them just as much in return. And I'm shifting intention and action towards building them. And it's totally against the narratives that I've been taught and exposed to. And I love romantic comedies. So I I have, I was indoctrinated very, very young. Uh I have seen like Bridget Jones' diary far too many times. And now that I'm a slightly wiser, I can see them for what they are, which is enjoyable, but ultimately imperfect. And I need to start centering other kinds of grand romantic stories for myself. Yeah. And I resonate so much with what you're saying about friendship. And I agree, I've, been very lucky to surround myself with friends and like you I also set the intention to if I like somebody and meet exceptional people then I'm like how I'm going to make them my friend that's fine um but do you have the appreciation that that it's not like that for everybody is it is it a toil for you to make friends is it has it been a journey like for if there's someone listening to this and they're thinking I struggle to make friends you know and I would say well I wouldn't say I find it probably at 46 I would say I find it easy to make friends right so I probably would but I do also acknowledge that I get how some people don't find it easy it's just that I've been doing it's become a habit for me what has that journey been like of how to how to make new relationships and new friendships and put the same intention into it that you would to romantic I think that's a lovely a lovely way to put it I mean, this is also a new intention maybe like a year or a year and a half old intention to be like I I spent too much energy thinking about like, where's my boyfriend? Why am I not thinking about my friends in that way? Mm. But yeah, like when you're, when you're a kid, you, your friends are people 
around you. So that's kind of kids in your neighborhood, kids at school, kids at church. So just kind of everyone you see is your friend. Yeah. And then you get a bit older and it gets a bit more finer. And maybe it comes to people with your interests or your friends. Mm-hmm. And um, a piece of advice to my mom has been telling me since I was a kid and I always thought she was a crazy person. But she's like, you don't need a lot of friends. You need like four or five really good friends and a lot of acquaintances. Yes. You do not need many friends. And I always thought, why does she want me to be lonely? Like, <laughs> does my mom not think I'm interesting? Like, what kind of advice is this? And now I I keep recognizing that yeah, she she was she was giving that advice maybe too soon, uh, but it's definitely the best advice I've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, don't be too concerned about how many friends you have. Be more concerned about the quality of the relationships with the friends you have. Yeah. And that quality involves time. Like COVID has COVID has been happening. Yeah. Oh well. And yeah, I guess when I got to uni is when I realized that I, I I can be busy with an independent schedule. When you're busy at school, everyone's busy. Everyone has science class. Everyone then has to go for sports. Like you, you should have this like shared schedule so you, you very organically have time for your friends. Yeah. Now I don't. Now we all have independent schedules, independent interests, things we're up to. To make that time requires the intention, yep. reaching out, scheduling it, and on that day showing up. Mm-hmm. and that's the investment I want to make to kind of build and maintain these deeper relationships yeah. over making 55 million friends because I'm just very chatty like my <laughs> I'm the kind of person who like start a chat in like the line of a coffee shop like I I just talk too much <laughs> uh, you're with me I'm with you on it <laughs> I just I have no idea why I'm so chatty but it is it is just a part of me yeah and I I've I've I was just I was just raised to be very polite, so I'm always asking people how they are. Yeah, and I don't leave it at that. It can turn into a conversation, and I've I've had wonderful conversations with strangers. Yeah, just wherever I am. Yeah, but that's totally different from the kinds of deep, meaningful ones I try to have with my friends. Yeah, yeah, and if I take you back there, you talked about truth, and I'm loving that you know someone so young is so keen to talk about truth, and that. There's truths that are hard to confront. What what truths do you think have been the hardest to confront? <laughs> that's that's a that's a weird question. Um, I think so. So I'm one of those annoying people, and I'm claiming this young, so it might be very wrong. But I I I tend to be right, and the hardest truths to confront have been moments when my inner voice, who is incredibly sarcastic, is like, "That is a terrible idea." Mm. but you know the other I guess more superficial parts of me or maybe not even superficial just parts of me who want things to be true has I totally disagreed like no sorry I'm gonna ignore that because because that doesn't suit with the reality I'm trying to build I want to live in this universe where Mm. these things are true and if I proclaim them to be true they can be and my internal voice was like this is dumb and when you fall flat on your face, get back to me. And I'm consistently falling flat on my face and having to be like, huh, I, sh- I should have probably read every red flag as a red flag. Maybe I should have done that. I should have held myself to a higher standard. I should have held other people to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, that dance of there's being an understanding person or an understanding colleague or an understanding friend and then there's being abused for absolutely no reason. And 
you know, my internal voice is like, this is something we shouldn't be taking. But then me wanting to maintain relationships that might not even be healthy is like, no, 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 they're going through a rough time. This is fine. When everyone kind of has an internal barometer that tells them when it crosses from, I need to give more at this moment in the relationship just because I have the capacity to, this relationship is not good for me. Mm-hmm. I should probably have left a week ago. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, Lauren, I love your internal voice. <laughs> your internal I voice is making me smile right now so much. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a very snarky internal voice that I carry around. I have no idea when I picked her up, but she's been here since maybe like 14 and terrible snarky human but she's she's consistently right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then there's just like an infinitely optimistic part of me that wants only the best things to be true Uh uh-huh and they exist in consistent and constant tension Mm -hmm. and i'm the one in the middle who has to like reconcile those two things and like live the best possible version of my life that i can build and when you look into the future, do you accept that both sides of that coin, both sides of that personality of yours, those voices are just always going to be there? There's always going to be the oh, voice want that wants to be right. And, you know, it's just a journey that we're on forever. It's not going to end just because you recognised it when you're 22. Doesn't mean they're moving out anytime soon. Are you oh, good with here. that? I also want them here. I want them to stay. I Because me, I, it, it's interesting how I kind of like, I have them as these beings that exist. And then me is the person living the actual life and getting tired or getting excited and just experiencing both of their the emotions they prompt. And I, I like I like having them around. I like I like the I'm sure everyone has a version of this in the way that maybe it's a pros and cons list or whatever, but it, it provides me a certain way of thinking about the world. So I'm seeing the world, I'm experiencing the world, but those two kind of the person who believes only the best things are happening and the person who's very very skeptical of all of that both perspectives are really valuable and I want to keep having them because the things I'm going to deal with surely are going are only going to get more complex yeah yeah and 2021 is obviously a big year you kicked off telling us that you graduate from Edinburgh Uni this year and you also have a book that's just getting ready to launch tell us about this what does all this mean for you this year it's, I, I, I didn't plan for the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021 to shape up. Like, I mean, no one did. This, the, the pandemic was, wow, that, that was shocking. Um, but I, I just, I just had a lot of time. Suddenly I couldn't go out. I couldn't really do much. And I, I think a lot, I think a lot. I journal a lot. I ask a lot of unanswerable questions of myself and of people around me because I'm just trying to find answers to the things that bother me. Mm-hmm. And in all of that thinking and writing, I signed onto a writer's program because I wanted I wanted the accountability and the community yeah. to keep me writing on days when I'm just tired and I'd rather watch Netflix. Yeah. And that was like a wonderful like scaffolding, I guess, for the process of committing to doing something. And then when I sat down to think, like, right, what what is something that I care enough to write about, even just for fun, not even planning to be published, but just writing for the sake of writing, what do I want to do? I picked nonfiction because I just felt like the research will be, the research will just provide material to write about. I, I was just like, I'm doing university. I have my dissertation. I have projects. Do I have the bandwidth to be creative? Maybe not. Let's pick something that is 
that is nonfiction, so that I just like have all this material to draw from. And I started writing about Black women in STEM because I am a Black woman in STEM. I am a Zambian. I was born and raised there, so I'm only in the UK for university. And I'm studying a maths degree. And there are very few people who look like me doing all of those things. And it's yeah. it's crazy and it's bothersome. And I had just like a terrible moment in one of my online tutorials, which wasn't unique at all. And I'm sure it has happened in many other online tutorials. And it's definitely happened over the across the last um across the four-year degree. But just that specific day, that specific experience upset me to know just the levels unknown. I, I am not good at being angry. I don't know where this emotion was just like taken out of my toolkit. But I'm just I'm just not very good at being angry. It's just not it's not my default. I am more of an upset crier than just like, that being said, I do yell. I do tend to yell. I am a yeller, but it's very surface level. I don't get like really, truly furious. But just, um, it was like a microaggressive episode. Someone repeatedly spoke over me and I was just so upset. And I sat down to write about that, just kind of like, oh, this could be my writing for the week. And it was, I don't know, it just, it just had, it had a passion a clear emotional voice and when I read it back a couple of days later I was like this is what I should be writing about I should be writing about black women in STEM because evidently I'm very passionate and I have a point of view Mm. and from that I then began to pivot my research in that way and think about it intersectionally because there's very little research about black women because I don't know because details there's just very little data there's very there are not that many reports that exist but as someone who exists at that intersection of identity, I recognize that I can read reports about women's issues and I can read reports about race issues and they speak to the experience in some way, in some specific way. And there are materials, there's definitely a wealth of material from wonderful writers like, um, gosh, look at my mind disappearing. I read mm-hmm. Hood, Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall at, during the first lockdown and it was a I think I read it twice. I just like listened to it on Audible through one day and started again. Like, I need to get through this again. I did Ain't I a Woman. I think that's by Bell Hooks, which was a whole other just perspective shifting read. So I went back to those sources and those materials to see how they communicate their ideas and the ideas they communicate as well. Mm-hmm. And what was like that one essay about from this one day that and I was just like really mad and had to get it out in some way has turned into this longer manuscript, which I then submitted to this really cool indie publisher in the US. And this August, it's going to like exist in paperback and I'm going to be holding this book that I wrote and oh. it's shocking and confusing and I'm so excited. That is so exciting. And do you now therefore reflect on the episode of microaggression of the person who kept talking over you? Do you reflect on that as like, wow, if that hadn't happened and I didn't feel those <laughs> unfamiliar emotions of anger, then I wouldn't have went off, been catapulted off in a direction I didn't think I was going to go in. <sighs> I mean, I, I, I am definitely thankful for that shock of inspiration. Yeah. But I, I am just one of those, I think, I think if you're a religious person, you would call it God. And if you're not religious, you might believe in the universe. But I just, I just think everything happens for a reason and yep. everything is predetermined. Mm-hmm. So maybe it wouldn't have been that one very annoying tutorial. It would have been a totally separate thing. But 
something would have prompted me to do this. And I guess 2020 slash 2021 was the best time because we did just have all this spare time. Yeah. Just no one was going anywhere. I wasn't going anywhere. Online uni, which doesn't require kind of walking between lecture theaters, provided me with just extra hours. Yeah. So I think something else would have been the kind of that genesis moment. I think that we still might have been having this conversation regardless. Yeah. And I have to ask, because I'm desperate to know, did you call the microaggressor out on their repeated speaking over of you? That, that That is a whole fun, explored thing in the book. In the moment, no. I think... I in in the exact moment I I think I'm a fairly confident person I did attempt to exert my presence and it was just repeatedly ignored and so I allowed it I let it be I continued to be mad about it and like you know emotions are interestingly complex so there's like angry like I want to punch a wall and then there's angry like I want to cry about this so I did that spectrum of just feeling really intensely about this moment and I didn't want to rock the boat. I just I just wanted to get through the um, project and I got through the project. And I was like, I'm going to confront this person right after the project. And I was like, actually, no, I don't want in case they um, receive it negatively. And, and so potentially gaslight me or just, I, I, I personally don't have the bandwidth for a negative reaction right now. So I let it be. I let it be. And then we entered 2021 and I was like, let's sleeping dogs lie that happened last year. And just, I think in the first week of 2021, I was like, actually, no, actually, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't want to let that one lie. And that is just um, after George Floyd, which is a continued saga. Of course. (laughs) My goodness. But I I don't know, just that, that was such an electric moment for the entire world to realize that we all play a role in being actively anti-racist yeah and it was also just such a like thank goodness for social media in this way everyone i haven't seen the video yet i don't have the bandwidth but you know people have seen the video people have seen talks it's been on the news there's just this storm of information and i just decided no this person doing this to me in like the end of 2020 should have known better yeah and if this had happened two years ago i would have just been like wow i guess that's happened now my expectations of humanity are just higher Mm. and so I wasn't able to let it lie I was like no I'm gonna reach out and um bless them they responded so kindly and apologetically and I really appreciate that because I didn't expect a response Mm. that and that reaching out was for me more than for anything else yeah and I think, you know, there's a calling, isn't there, for us to have a higher expectation of humanity, isn't there? Because that's the only way things get better. If our expectation falls so low that we don't care what happens, then where does the future lie? Where does it go? I am consistently telling like my friends and my siblings, I'm just like, I have no expectations of humanity. And I, I was mostly saying that in jests. But I was just like, oh, humanity is, is not it. But it's also just there's just such a mess that we're in right now in so many ways and it's complicated and difficult to disentangle but also so necessary to do the work to kind of break everything down Mm -hmm. and i i am pledging as like you know for myself for others to do better and be better and think about these things that maybe don't necessarily impact me but impact someone oh you're so wise lauren 
Oh, um, <laughs> thank you. I'm not yet, but yeah, it, you de- you definitely have inspired me on an otherwise drizzly, dull day, I have to say. I feel very inspired. Tell me, what is... I know the book goes on pre-sale soon, so tell us how we can get the book, and I'm also going to put the link to it in the commentary that goes with this show. But what is it called, and what info do we need? It is called The Shuri Effect. Um, I will share the link, and the link will be in the notes below, but it's an Indiegogo campaign right now. I am inviting people into this kind of next half of my author journey where you can have access to reading chapters early and voting on the cover art, or maybe even voting on an alternative title if kind of that becomes a question. And yeah, just me sharing more of what it's been like to write, what I'm thinking about as I'm writing and all facets of that experience with you. The book is officially out in August 2021. Fingers crossed that, you know, supply chains hold up. And it'll be available everywhere you buy books. So I guess an easy search is if you listen to this podcast after, like after me, I guess, go to Amazon and just search up Lauren Wally or The Shree Effect and it should pop up. Oh, thank you so much for shining your light so brightly in the world, Lauren. Oh, thank you. You're you're quite exceptional. I feel you talked about you love meeting exceptional people. I feel as if I've just met an exceptional person. Thank you so much for coming and joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.